Welcome everyone. We're about to begin with Zashem, BPJ, Shear number 82. That's by Splimi's joint Shear, Shear number 82. The Gmar Gitten on Dafayin of Aleph says that there are eight things that share the same characteristic, and that is that an overabundance of any one of these is not good, while a proper moderate amount is very good. And one of these things are intimacy. Gemara there calls Derech Eretz, which we're going to get into at some point in the near future. What does it mean that it's sheared in moderately? It's about guarding a treasure. When you guard a treasure, you use it sparingly. Now, sparingly means, in this case, only in a marriage relationship between a husband and wife, the way Hashem wants it. Not sparingly, that within the marriage relationship, it needs to be consistent and as frequent as need be, as long as there's no overindulgence and lack of focus or out-of-balance behavior. But it is a treasure to be used sparingly, only with that one person whom you are married to, and only when there is a period of tahara. That's what it means sparingly. It's a glue. Too little of it, it'll fall apart. Too much, it'll be ugly. The idea is that it shouldn't be cheap. It shouldn't become cheapened. It should be treasured. And it's treasured when it's only in the marriage relationship the way Hashem designed it. But it can't be too sparingly either because then they'll drift apart. It's a treasure to be handled very tenderly, only to be taken out on special occasions, again, only in a marriage relationship. In a marriage relationship, every time that they're together is a special occasion. Just like every shachris is a special occasion. Just like every Monday and Thursday when you take out the state of Torah is a special occasion. Every aina is a special occasion between a husband and a wife. To keep it out of general sight, obviously. Obviously, it's to be kept out of general sight. The sexual experience is meant to be private between a husband and a wife in a private setting. And thus hidden away, indeed, in a private secret place. Only between them. It's a gift from HaKadosh Baruch Hu that Bechesed he placed on humanity. He placed on the whole human race, every Tzalem Alikim, not just a Yid, but even a non-Jew. And it's incumbent upon all of us, like every treasure, to be carefully guarded so it doesn't lose its beauty. So Hashem gave us this gift in married life. He gives us this gift in married life. And he's telling us, protect it. I want you to enjoy intimacy. It'll bring a tremendous amount of bracha in both your lives, husband and wives, respectively. And together, it is one of the greatest brachas that Hashem gives to a married couple. But it needs to be in a healthy balance Otherwise, 
there are dangers of it threatening the relationship and becoming harmful. So one of those aspects, of course, in marriage that one needs to be careful on to avoid sexuality then is in the Nida period. On the onset of menstrual bleeding, when sexual relations become prohibited, physical contact becomes prohibited, and there's a consecutive cleaning, clean days, until bleeding stops, the count cannot begin. There's a minimum of five days, in some Sephardic communities, four days from the onset of the Nida period before counting the seven clean days. So it's roughly a 12-day period, minimum. Then there's a, the woman goes to the mikvah, kosher mikvah, and leaves that Nida state, and then now physical contact and intimacy becomes permitted. And that concept carries a serious penalty because intercourse with a need during that period is, is, is serious, very serious. But once she goes to the mikvah, she becomes pure again to her husband and they could resume the intimate relationship. What are the greatest threats to the sexual relationship between a husband and wife? Two things. Overindulgence and overfamiliarity. Now, the overindulgence part, you have that especially with younger people or people that are have a strong drive for this. So there could be an overindulgence. But very often, unfortunately, the opposite is true in many marriages where the, it's not overindulgence, it's actually under wouldn't use the word underindulgence, but more like neglecting it because of other reasons. The overfamiliarity is a problem as well because if it becomes routine, it breeds contempt. And it breeds that, eh, what's the big deal? And the problem is, is in Western society, in a non-Jewish culture, where there's such advertising on all these types of sexual fantasies and appetites outside of marriage. So if one's exposed to this, they get this impression that intimacy with one's own spouse is by definition inherently dull and unexciting. And they break away from their marriages seeking that excitement. And that's a terrible, terrible thing. The idea of Nida protects a Jewish couple from these dangers. It protects them from overindulgence. Because even if they use it a lot in their Tahar period, there's a two-week period roughly where they are separated physically. And it also protects the Jewish couple from the danger of overfamiliarity in these areas. The Chazal added Harchakais. Harchakais are protective measures so that a husband and wife do not engage in certain activities that could lead them to becoming intimate, which is a violation of the Isser Torah, of the Torah prohibition. So the Harchakais is a must. It's required by halacha. And it's very important to keep those halachas carefully. 
But what's very important is, as you keep these halachas carefully, there's certain things that people do or don't do that creates tremendous damage because they don't learn the halachas properly with a proper rav, with the proper hadracha. So they take it to an extreme. Because harchakas do not mean you don't act with their acherets. Harchakas does not mean you're not allowed to speak gently. Adarabi is supposed to have gentle speech. You're supposed to have consideration. There needs to be a feeling of, yes, warmth. Regular, friendly, healthy warmth, even in the Nida period. A menschlichkeit, like they say in Yiddish, during this period. You're not over any iser by being a mensch, by being menschlich. The other way around. If you're not menschlich in the Harchaka period, you are violating many, many other isurim. Harchakais does not preclude, does not exclude the idea of Ahavas Yisrael and Ahavas Ishtai. Well, in the Nida period, with certain things that are restricting physically and in certain wordings, but there's nevertheless a heightened sensitivity and a heightened consideration at the onset of a Nida period that needs to be understood. Very often in early parts of a marriage, there's a disappointment there because they're looking, she's looking to conceive, and there's a disappointment when they're looking to conceive a child and there is a loss of that opportunity, which could be very often very traumatic for many women and very disappointing for many, many women that are hoping every month to be to to become pregnant. So therefore, what's very important is is this balance. The harchakis are needed, but do it properly with a healthy balance. Does not preclude, does not exclude being a mensch. But the halachas need to be kept, the physical distance and all of that. Why? Because that assures that when the intimacy takes place later, when they reunite, it'll be immeasurably more enjoyable and more meaningful. This is what the Torah promises you. She'll be as beloved to him as she was when she entered the chuppah. This is what Meir said. One of the purpose of these harchakas are. Yeah, we talked about this in other shiurim, that technically even those negative things that happen after the Chet Eitadas are really positive things. Here as well, initially whatever the reasons were, you could say it was a consequence of an action. But ultimately once it took place, there is hidden and even revealed bracha in it. The idea being regarding the physical intimate relation between the husband and life, wife is throughout the Torah sources, sexual desire is likened to a fire. Yitzra da, uh, da Arayas is a ash, is a fire. Fire is a very powerful force. It needs to be used with a great care and caution and intellect because otherwise it could be catastrophic. It could burn houses, it could destroy communities. Used in the right place, in the right time, it gives off a tremendous amount of healthy light and healthy heat. 
people made this analogy with the fire in the fireplace with the, with the elderly versus the youth. You need them both. The youth have a fire, but if they don't have take advice from those that are older and wiser, their fire will burn out of control. It'll destroy everything around them. But the elder cannot make fun of that fire. Eh, it's nothing. It's, it's nonsense. No, it's not. It's very valuable. What they say is confine it to the fireplace where it gives off warmth and light to the whole home in a healthy way. So when a person is guided by the Torah concerning marital intimacy, then the sexual desire is like that fire in the fireplace, giving warmth, giving light, spiritual light, happiness, connection, real connection. But if it's not controlled by the Torah the way it wants this to be controlled, it could wreak tremendous havoc, create disaster. But with the Gedarim, sexual desire is a tremendous bracha. Shabbos, one person once said that, you know, you can't, on a Shabbos, yes, there's a mitzvah, but that's not really the focus. The focus is, is to have a beautiful nishmas, beautiful zmiris, beautiful gvekas and Hashem and Tehran and Tvila. And the response to that type of attitude is, what's the contradiction? You can have a beautiful aina, and you can have a beautiful nishmas. Who says there has to be contradicting each other? This is not like Yaakov and Esav, where one goes up, the other goes down. This is not the regular war between the body and the soul. What goes soul, what goes up, goes down, or that they're enemies. Although in certain parts of Chayvah Salvavis, it would seem so. And Masir Sharm also would seem so. But if you look deeper, even there, and in other sources, that means when they are conflicting with each other in an ideal. But when they're not conflicting with each other in an ideal, meaning it's the right time for Aina right now, it's the right time to use those hormones the right way, then the body is aligning with the soul, and the soul is aligning with the body. So yes, you can have on a Shabbos, you had a beautiful Aina time together with your wife, and then you got up early, and you had a beautiful Seder of learning, and davening, and Zmiris, and rested, and the Nishmas was beautiful, and everything else. What's the contradiction? There is none. People have trouble wrapping their heads around this, thinking that there is a contradiction when there isn't any. So yes, one needs to be careful. Because this is indeed a very, very strong desire. And one needs to safeguard from the Yetzirah, from the traps of this desire. Hashem wants us to use not to allow hormones to dictate our lives. I was saying this carefully. Not to let it dictate your life, but the fact that the hormones are there, that's a good thing. What it means is that you don't have them rule you. You don't become impulsive in that sexual desire when your wife or your husband is not, it's not the time now for, them, for it. They have to be aligned with one another, connected with one another. And then, yes, then they use their hormones the right way. So it's not the negative aspect to say 
there is testosterone, estrogen, there's this certain hormonal connections that create a sexual bond or desire between a husband and a wife. That's fine. The idea is we can't be ruled by it. We have to use our minds and our seichel and also what Hashem wants to channel it the right way. We'll continue as Hashem in the future. Shurim, bracha, v'hatzlacha.